0: Welcome to PSQH, the podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH. On this episode, I talked to Dr. Martin Selberg, co-founder of Motion, about improving patient transfers in rural health care. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Dr. Martin Selberg, uh, co-founder of Motion, and we're going to talk about uh, improving the quality of medical transports. Uh, welcome, Dr. Selberg.
1: Hey, thank you, Jay. Thank you very much.
0: Um, I was wondering if we could start off by just having you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your company.
1: Sure, I'd be happy to. um, uh, You know, there's a bit of a backstory in all this. Um, I'm an emergency medicine doc. I've been doing this for uh, more than 30 years now. Uh, The majority of practice has been uh, in an urban setting, trauma center, but I've also staffed and managed uh, some rural emergency departments. And that's including the uh, one in the uh, hometown where, where I grew up and where my 96-year-old father at some time is probably gonna present to that emergency department and, and need care. Um, during that time, like most emergency medicine folks, you get involved in related activities. Uh, been an EMS director, uh, for example, and engaged in the uh, pre-hospital process quite a bit. I started all of this with a uh, interest in uh, in aviation that became a pilot at a very early age. So there were some drivers that kind of led me to transport and air medical transport. So the background is really nothing special other than it gives you some unique views of this patient journey. And when I talk about patient journey, I'm talking about the care a patient needs that isn't present at the place where the patient is and is currently being provided, Hmm. necessitating a move, getting the care that they do need you know, providers on that end really do an excellent job of recognizing that point in the care process as well have a pretty, as have a good experiential um, a background of where that care is needed and where it's available. They have preferred referral routes or maybe their health system has an arrangement or some other specialty care relationships that have developed over time. But in between those two, that point, you know, there is a, uh, a uh, need for streamlining and reproducibility of the process. It gets much fuzzier. It's very understandable if you think about it. There's resources that may or may not be available for transport, depending on the transport company's current uh, res- uh, demands. Uh, there's a level of care that makes you think, how come, what's necessary to adequately care for this patient during the time that they're out of the hospital? There's a time and a distance element that's present uh, moving the patient from one to the other. So you've got care decisions that are sound up to the point of transfer and receiving hospitals use transfer centers for their side, their internal ability, place the patient, arrange for their care on arrival. And it leaves a moment where resource analysis, time involved, level of care, and distance all come into play in a more disorganized fashion than the sending and receiving uh, parties have in play. So managing these uh, rural departments, I kind of started to organize those decision points in my head. This is more than a decade ago. Things I consider or should be considering when I got to that decision point of transfer. I mean, in general, how sick is the patient? How can that be communicated effectively to represent the patient's condition? How time critical is the situation for the patient to get the care they need? How far do they need to go? What are the factors that might influence the patient's ability to be out of the hospital safely for that period of time and in general what are my options for safe movement with respect to time time to me for the uh, transport provider level of care they'll receive and time out of the hospital so those are the elements that kind of form the background of mission control and that's the program that motion has developed mm-hmm. and uh, which it addresses started with an acuity index essentially a how thick is the patient index and I base that on how I try to communicate that to an admitting physician or a receiving physician. Oh, well, I, I said ten years ago and it took that amount of time to really refine that down to eight yes or no weighted questions. They these end up taking about fifteen seconds, can be done by any provider or nurse or anybody who has kind of a clinical proximity of familiarity with the patient, with the goal being ease of use, accurate representation of condition. And management of the resources needed so then with my uh business partner dr richard watson uh we made it useful by having an electronic application or interface and that was very important for providers and growing up in the age of moving to an electronic health record those kind of things were very very important to us so uh, we narrowed it down to eight questions and the in total the total interface is just about 20 mouse clicks to uh together gather a large amount of information in this process.
0: Um, so, I, I guess you know. Congratulations on sort of coming up with that. You know, where is the industry stand in terms of adopting um, you know a system like this? <clears throat>
1: well, it's a very common language. The uh, particularly from the sending perspective, they immediately understand. Oh this is how we assess how sick this patient is and oh these are the resources that then are needed and oh here's how i can uh, help in finding that resource that's needed to get to the receiving facility so probably more so from the sending side than the receiving side Mm -hmm. the receivers kind of have this figured out in their own brain that works for their hospital so there's that gap between what the senders need and what the receivers need Um. we right now are gosh uh, hundred and thirty hospitals pushing on six thousand patient movements so we've had uh you know some time and good success in uh, in refining this product and uh, and seeing what what it needs for effective adaptation
0: um yeah I mean what are some of the things you've seen that you've had to adjust as you as you've sort of you know moved along yeah so
1: one is uh is just Continuing as we've, as the company's grown and we've uh, developed a uh, a product development team, uh, front side, back side, the ability to uh, make the interface more streamlined, make the graphics more meaningful. It's been more those types of things to enhance the user experience Mm -hmm. than it really has been in content. Because the content is what it is. There are things that must happen in every patient transfer, and uh, that's where we started. And I think we've uh, been pretty effective in capturing.
0: Um, and you know, you know, you mentioned sort of the challenges for rural healthcare. Um, have you been focusing on that, or is it sort of you know anybody who, obviously, anybody can use this, but you know, has rural health healthcare been the focus to kind of improve you know the quality of transports?
1: <clears throat> yeah. So there's a gap. Uh, There's a gap between what the receiver expects as they patiently await the patient, do the nuts and bolts that are necessary for them on uh, the receiving position, the receiving spot, bed availability, treatment care that may be needed. So that's all done on that end and pretty streamlined. So, and the sending facility, again, equally does a, a superb job typically of understanding, okay, this is as far as I can go and I know what this patient needs. So what we do is, benefits the receivers uh, indirectly but it benefits the senders probably more directly and uh, uh understanding and analyzing those resources that are necessary to get to the patient as get, and the the time that may be involved for them to get to the patient you know it gets away from this rolodex method of uh here's our local ems are they available are they not available are they bls aemt als what's their critical care options where are they um uh, how available would they uh, possibly be? I mean, all of a sudden in a small facility, all these things land on a transfer nurse, a charge nurse, an attending nurse or a unit clerk to try to sort and uh, and solve. So th- those are really the things from a logistics perspective that we're able to provide tremendous assistance on the sending side and the initiation of the process. On the back end, everybody benefits. You get this data-rich resource now of um, acuity of the patient, time that the patient needed to move, time that the care actually arrived, time until the patient actually received the care that they needed. Some metrics by diagnosis, by distance, by referral pattern and so forth that tend to be incredibly useful to, uh, whether it's for quality, whether it's for oversight organizations, whether it's for strategic planning on staffing times, staffing patterns, placement of resources, it's a backside that I had not appreciated as I started developing a clinical tool, but there's tremendous value in this uh, data and analytics is what we found. Uh,
0: and, and tell me a little bit about how it works. Is it, is it uh, an app that, you know, the, the sender can kind of uh, download, like who, who sort of uh, is responsible for it and who, who uses it, uh, you know, on a regular basis?
1: Sure. So it's web-based. So anybody with access to the web okay. can access the the uh, SaaS or cloud-based uh, product. And uh, whether that's on your smartphone or iPad or a hospital computer, the list of users can be infinite because you simply need to log on to the system. So they log on to the system to request a transfer. They answer eight questions about the patient from a clinical perspective, and then a few demographic questions: age, weight. Uh, so on so forth we have preloaded destinations and who their preferred providers are for that so uh, that's where I was talking about the development team's intense attention to the number of mouse clicks and the time frame that's needed to do what could have been uh, a much longer time literally you know minutes uh, and longer to accomplish we're now down to about 90 seconds you know, at that point the communication center has that information where they can start assisting in what's needed during covid it's been finding a bed yeah. uh, the rest of the time it's been finding the right uh resource based on acuity and their proximity to be able to respond to the patient based on their the time criticality of what's happening and those needs of the sending facility It's then a communication platform where the provider uh transport provider, the sending provider, and the receiving facility can all communicate and actually see the patient movement across the uh, uh graphics across the map as the patient goes to uh, to point B and can continue to communicate uh patient information as needed uh, during that time
0: um and so how long have you actually had the um you know, had this uh product available um for use?
1: well um uh forever and never i mean um again this this started uh, in my brain so long ago that the last three years of its actual application seem to have gone very very quickly but it seems to me like it's been around for a long time but essentially we're three getting ready to start our fourth year into actual field application into the product hence the uh, number of hospitals that are currently utilizing the number of hospitals on the horizon the number of patients that we've uh, we've transported. We worked very hard with our develop, development front end, back end, and our communication team to make this scalable mm-hmm. as uh, it becomes more widely available. It, it's been very satisfying. I mean, I, I'm a clinician, and and I always enjoy in any particular Zoom conference that I'm the guy who's fumbling with getting the video or some <laughs> other component to work. You know, the irony of being uh, part of a software, a product and having that technical challenge. But again, the principles are there. I let those experts do the things that they do so very well.
0: Um, and you know, you mentioned the pandemic, did that slow things down for you or did that create an opportunity, um, to, to get out there? I mean, obviously people were very focused on, you know, on COVID for a, a long time and a lot of people still are. Um, and has that sort of slowed, you know, sort of the, uh, the, development of of get you know getting out there for you
1: um you know it actually accelerated accelerated yeah. our staffing and resource we added more uh capacity for a couple reasons I'd be happy to elaborate um and uh it's really uh it's really pushed our development team to incorporate those things i mean i'll, I'll just kind of give you the scenario because it's a really good question uh i'll, I'll say this i've worked 30 plus years uh, in a 30 plus bed tertiary care emergency department. I've also worked in three bed emergency departments and I can tell you categorically that three bed emergency department is much more difficult to manage for a number of reasons. But the biggest is resource. You know, uh, rural facilities already have a lack of margin. The ability for any kind of reserve in any particular situation, not financial Marvin, but any buffer against, significant surge, and uh, COVID was nothing but a surge. Mm-hmm. Pre-COVID staffing issues, they're now more stretched, low inventories of medical supplies that are now greater consumed, the constrained bed or availability, which is now at an unthought of level, and uh, rural facilities uh, were kind of like at the bottom of the wound. They're left holding the ball when the rest of the system became incapacitated. Mm-hmm. So a rural facility might wait, await acceptance of an hour, which was an inconvenience. And now they're waiting a day or they're waiting days to be able to move this patient. So consider what that does to that sending facility. They've got a patient with the needs care that they've defined they can't provide because they're trying to transfer the patient, now left for caring for that patient for an extended period of time with limited resource or familiarity. I mean, they've asked critical access hospitals, which are mandated by law to not have an ICU, to now provide ICU care. So, what happened with the software? Well, innovation, a consulting service, both for stabilization, for ongoing care, uh, giving them access to best practice or putting them in touch with consult specialists uh, via telemedicine. Uh, looking beyond just providing transfer, resource, uh, transfer resources to equipment resource, for example, BiPAP or Vapotherm, which they may have one in the hospital or not at all. you looking at hospitals in the region who may have more and getting those to them and sometimes even a respiratory therapist along with it for some short-term guidance and initiation. So uh, those things, the bed finder, the resource and the telemedicine uh, component are all things that we were positioned in a great place to do But we hadn't even considered because COVID hadn't forced us to consider those. Right. I'll tell you, it's been a blessing to be able to uh, uh, be in a place to render assistance at a time when assistance uh, was needed.
0: So um, now that you're sort of in this position, you know, how how do you envision the next, you know, I guess, two to five years in terms of growth for for mission control? How's it going to kind of get out there?
1: Well, uh, you know, there's a lot of layers to this that we're just beginning to understand and systems in general are beginning to understand. So uh, there's a general awareness gap that exists between the less resource sender and that resource-rich receiver. Their processes differ, their focus differs. So there's a built-in disconnect between the needs and desires of those two parties. So in my mind, As a sending physician and as a receiving physician and a transport physician, it is one of the largest gaps in continuum of care on a patient's journey. Hmm. So our development is toward putting in place those things that that any of the current procedural questions don't already answer and may work to the patient's detriment. Uh, Delays, efficiency, uh, quality and uh, sustainability. Those are kind of core questions in all of healthcare care as we negotiate reimbursement and the other pressures uh, that are happening right now. It is an exciting time to have a company like this to be able to uh, uh, start to negotiate and work on solutions to these problems.
0: Um, are there sort of other sort of questions? Uh Ways to expand or grow the, the product offering uh, that, that you've considered that you've obviously maybe can't do now, but want to do at some point down the road?
1: Yeah, so that initial first step, there's a lot of greenfield for that. Mm. And uh, we're, we're very attentive to the scalability of that. But certainly, uh, right acuity, right patient, right destination, right timing starts to engage all providers, starts to engage all level of transport providers, whether they're local, uh, EMS, whether they're private, whether they're critical care. So uh, one thing that we've recently developed as an example is um, codifying those decision points on where a patient needs to go and why as a reimbursement tool Mm. for the provider who essentially is acting on a physician order and then it's asking for the uh, the paying party to pay for that distance without a lot of back and forth about, but why did you go there? And why did you choose this means? So that whole reimbursement assistance is, uh, is a huge piece. Uh, the other is just looking at outcomes and quality. I mean, we now have a measurable device and we now have a lot of data and information to start to put together to understand acuity, destination, and outcomes. So there's some wonderful things again on the horizon that are under development that we're looking forward to refining and being able to offer.
0: Have you um, got, uh, I guess, numbers on how, how, you know, folks who are using um, mission control, how, you know, how they've improved their, uh, you know, their time of transport? Or is it still too early for that?
1: No, it, it's not. And and I'll, I'll tell you what it provides. It provides a source of truth on uh, the, the parties involved. And the parties involved are the sending facility, the receiving facility, and the transport uh, agency, the transport provider. And now you have a single source of truth of uh, assigning acuity, of assigning the right vendor, the timing of the vendor, the communication that occurs en route, and then uh, obviously the ultimate destination. It has brought parties together to have a conversation about the uh, questions or challenges or disparity based on factual data. So uh, that's particularly satisfying. And we've seen that play out in a number of ways. Here's the anecdotal side of it. Um, We can't call local EMS past seven o'clock to transport for these five hours to the tertiary care because it puts the crew out all night and they're off shift or off uh, cycle the next day for other things that they may have or may, may need to do. Therefore, we're not going to send a patient, uh, we're not going to offer that ground service after 7 p.m. That's a business decision they have to make. Mm-hmm. But now there's, there's data and there's information they're able to go to their county commission their uh oversight agency they're able to show here's the number of calls here's the calls that come in here's the acuity of the patient here's the day of the week here's reimbursement uh options that may be available to us to staff another truck to purchase another truck to institute a different on-call system and it takes away the angst just between the hospital and the local ems well gee when i call you guys you can Uh, it's it's always difficult to get that job done that I need done. So uh, that part already is playing out in in a lot of communities.
0: Well, it's it's great news and uh, hopefully it continues to grow. Um, Dr. Selberg, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Jay, I
1: appreciate the interest and uh, thank you very much for the time.
0: All right. That wraps up episode 44 of PSQH the podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope to join me next time. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at psqh.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks again, and Happy New Year.